so happy that you guys tuned in this morning. The title of my message is Waiting for a Breakthrough. I'll tell you where I got this, uh, this idea. One of my uh, favorite scriptures is in Psalms 130 verse 7. In particular, the Passion Translation. Okay, and so if you're reading it out of the app this morning, you'll see that. But this is what it says. This is the back end of that verse. It says this, that God has a thousand ways to set you free. A thousand ways to solve your problems. He has a thousand different ways to take what you are most concerned about and reshape it, reform it, and make it perfect. A thousand different ways. Now, if you're anything like me, you kind of back up and say, well, if you have a thousand different ways, would you just pick one and make it happen? Just make it happen. Uh, it's moments like these in our relationship with God. Uh, that remind me of sitting in a Starbucks drive-thru in the morning. Um, see, Starbucks, you can have coffee or you can have coffee, okay? Uh, it's not complicated. 100% of the time, I get behind a person that has found a way to make it complicated. I'm sitting behind the car. Have you ever been there? Shout Yes. Sitting behind the car for 45 minutes and the only thing I'm thinking is, how can you make this so difficult? The menu has been the same for the last hundred years. What is taking so long? I want to roll down the window and stick my fat head out there and say, what is taking so long? Have you ever been there? Say yes. This is how I feel sometimes with God, where I just want to say, I honor you, I love you, I thank you for everything, but there are certain things in my life that I am asking, what is taking so long? Uh, some, this morning I started laughing because I was going through this message in my mind, and I said out loud, is, is my angel the only angel up there that hasn't got his wings yet? <laughs> is he the only one? I've got to go walk around and, and ring bells and, and hope that something happens for my angel to get some wings and start flying with some expediency. Come on. Uh, I, I don't know everything that's happening in the heavenlies when we are desiring something. But in John chapter 4, um, we see behind the scenes a little bit. See, Jesus was walking through Galilee with his disciples and, and all of a sudden someone came running up to him. And it wasn't just someone, it was a government official. And this government official comes running up to him with desperation and starts begging. If you read the New Living Translation, it says begging. He's begging Jesus to come to his house, lay hands on his child so the child will live. Now, 
Capernaum, where the government official was from, was about 14 miles away. I read another commentary that said that it's a half day's journey. So if he got there at noon, if he ran up to Jesus at noon, he left yesterday at noon to get there. So what he's asking Jesus to do is take the journey back another ha- to get there at noon tomorrow. So he's saying, I need you to come with me. Now, to him, Jesus is just a miracle worker that he heard about. He doesn't realize that he's the son of God. And he doesn't need to walk 14 miles to heal this young man. He can just think it. But all he is to the government official is a guy who does miracles. He has no idea how great he is. He doesn't know what Job knew. In Job 12.10, it says this, that the breath of every living thing is in his hands. And the breath, the, the, the life of every human being is also in his hands. He didn't know that. So he's asking him, will you please come? Now, I was kind of trying to dissect the verse. And what caught me by surprise was the word beg. He was begging Jesus. Which means that the first time he asked him to come, Jesus didn't respond the way he wanted him to respond. I know none of us have ever been there. Jesus always responds exactly the way we expect him to. But for this particular guy, Jesus was not responding the way he wanted him to. So he's begging. Now, Jesus did not say no to the request. He just withheld his answer. And you have to ask the question, why withhold the answer. Now we can't crawl into Jesus's mind to figure out exactly what he was thinking. But we do know the state of the man that was asking the question. And I believe that Jesus was saying to him in so many words, you've heard about what I can do. But I want you to stay in my presence long enough to discover Who I am. See, when we discover or we get an extra glimpse to know who He is, all of a sudden our entire life changes. Everything in a moment changes. All the stuff that's inside of us, it all changes. All the doubt, all the worry, all the fear, all the discouragement. All the depression, it, it, it goes away just because we're in his presence. And sometimes the Lord will withhold an answer to keep us in his presence for that very reason. Let me show you a, a visual illustration. Um, I've got a, uh, a glass here. And if I were to look at one of you guys and say, come on up here and get all the air out of the glass. It would be fun to watch. Um, it would, you know, would you try to suck it out? You know, how would you try to get the air out of the glass? 
And just to jump to the end of the illustration, you cannot get air out of this glass. It doesn't matter how hard you try, you cannot extract the air out of the glass. But what you can do is you can fill the glass with something else that pushes out all the air. What's the point of the illustration? Is you and I have stuff in there. And you can't expect to wake up one morning and go, I feel so much better. You, you can't expect that. But what you can do is you can get in his presence and stay there long enough to where his presence begins to push out everything else. Now that takes a, a huge step of faith because it preaches well, but it's hard to live. It is so easy to come to church and listen to a sermon, but I want to tell you, at some point, hearing has to translate into doing. At some point, you got to get in your bathroom, shut the door and lock it and get on your hands and knees. At some point, you have to go into your closet. At some point, you have to begin to pray. Are you with me? Say yes. So, uh, the next point in the, in the, in the story, is, is all of a sudden Jesus looks at him and he's listening to him beg. He's listening to him plead and he asks him the question, are you only going to believe in me if I do signs, wonders, and miracles? Is that what it's going to take? And I love the response that the young man had or the father had. He just looks at Jesus. He doesn't even answer the question. He looks at Jesus and he said with such resolve, I just need you to heal my son. And in one translation it says this, my son is going to die if you do not come with me. Now, I sat there and read that verse over and over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden, I just imagined the look in this father's eyes when he was talking to Jesus. And if you are a parent, you know what this look looks like. This look of desperation, but also resolve. I am not leaving this spot. Until you help me. I have a son. I have a daughter. I am not leaving this spot until you help me. There's something powerful that happens when a person decides, I'm done, God. Listening to sermons and going to church and and having a cognizant relationship with you. I'm done with that. I want an interactive relationship with you. And I am not going to live my life anymore until that happens. When that type of resolve sets in, everything changes. Everything changes. It may not change in a moment, may not change in an hour, may not change in a day, but everything changes when that type of resolve gets set in. If you read Genesis chapter 32, Jacob had that resolve. The Bible says that he wrestled with the Lord all night long. 
there, there's something powerful when a person decides that they're going to pray. And then when they're done praying, they stand up and they back up and go, I'm going to do that again right now. I'm going to start over right now as if I hadn't just prayed. I'm going to start all over and back up and then walk right back in again and begin to pray and begin to pray fervently and continue to contend. Moses did the exact same thing. He said, I'm not leaving this spot in Exodus 33 if you're not coming with me. There's a resolve there. I was praying uh, a few years back and there was things that I wanted God to do in our church, things that I wanted God to do in my life. And I just felt the spirit of the Lord, not out loud, just right down here in my heart. Him tell me what you're asking for is not just going to come to you. You're going to have to contend for it. See, God will send you Most of the things that you need in life. But the things that your soul craves, you're going to have to contend for it. Otherwise, your soul will crave it for the rest of your life. And you will just have to get used to the feeling of being frustrated. There are certain things that your soul will crave that you have to contend for. You have to get alone with God and cry out. It can't just be an act of discipline showing up to church and knowing that he could do something. It's an issue of I am going to pursue you fervently. I'm going to drive you crazy until you come through. There's a a verse in Isaiah chapter 6 verses, um, no, it's 62 verses 6 and 7 in the New Living Translation. When I read this the first time, it gave me license and permission to pray about the same thing over and over and over and over again. The verse says this, those of you who pray, Give yourself no rest and give the Lord no rest until he completes his work. God, I'm not going to give you any rest. The man begging for Jesus to come to Capernaum was not going to give Jesus any rest. We can learn to rest in our frustration or we can back up and say, I will not rest anymore until I begin to feel your presence, walk in your presence, and see you do something. It would be likened if you were in the Starbucks line behind the person. I'm not waiting patiently anymore. I don't know if you're ordering a cappuccino from India, but I'm I'm not waiting patiently anymore. I'm going to lay on this horn until you move. God, I'm not waiting patiently anymore. I'm going to cry out. I'm going to pray on my knees. I'm going to stand on my feet. I'm going to cry out. I'm going to cry out. And some of you may ask the question, if he loves us so much, why do we have to go through all that? Remember, every single time you pray, your heart begins to anchor itself to the source. 
Every time you pray, your heart anchors itself to the source. Every time you pray. And the Lord is saying, look, what's happening to you can change in a moment, but what's happening in you is going to require your cooperation. It's going to require your contention. And when this season is over, there's a bigger season coming. So I'm going to need your faith to have already been anchored by the time you get there. So finally, towards the end, he looks at the father and he says this. He says, all right. Go on home. Your son is healed. So the father backs up and he says, okay, all right, uh, I'm going to go. I'm taking your word for it. And so he starts walking all the way home by himself. Now imagine what that walk looks like. He's walking home by himself, Jesus did not come with him. His, what he asked for, he's getting an answer, but it did not come the way he expected it. So now he's got to walk all the way home believing that what Jesus said was going to happen is going to happen. Have you ever been there? Say yes. That is a long walk home. A long walk home. I was thinking about it. I've I've ran a a couple marathons in my life. And none of them were very fast, but I ran a lot of them. Um, But around 17 miles, and anyone here who has ever ran a a marathon before, I know Joe's ran many. um, Around 17 miles, doesn't matter what race it is, what city it's in. Around that mile marker, there is no crowd. There is no crowd. See, there's points of the race where it's loud. And there's people and they're crowd and they're ringing bells and they got all the... And, and they will carry you through some of those miles. Around 9 and 10. It's like they carry you through. And it's not even hard to run whenever the crowd is there. You're just running you're like... Ah! It feels like they're all yelling for you. And that none of them even know who you are. But they carry you through. And then all of a sudden you get to mile 17. And the closest runner is about 50 yards ahead of you. And there's another runner about 50 yards behind you. And there's no crowd. And all you can hear is yourself breathing. And it's about that time where you begin to run with your heart. So you start a race with your head. I'm going to run this pace. About the middle of the race, there is no more plan. Your legs are doing their job. But the end of the race, you can't think. Your brain is scrambled. Your legs are shot. And now it's all heart. You start a race with your head. The middle of the race is your legs, but the end of the race, you either got it in your heart or you don't. And if you got it in your heart, you will see that finish line. If you don't have it in your heart, you ride the, what do they call it, the sad wagon? 
Is that where the paddy wagon, they come driving up and you, it's like these little vans and you wave them down and you get in the van and you can have all the chocolate you want because they're going to drive you to the rest of the way and just drop you off, you know, with your loved ones and you got to come up and you did not finish. You rode the paddy wagon. It takes heart. See, the reason I looked at Joe to find out the name of of the wagon, but he has no idea. He has no idea. He ran a full two Ironmans. He has no idea what that paddy wagon looks like or what it's called. It was never an option. Are you with me? Say yes. So here he is. He's walking and he's got all those thoughts running in there on his mind. All those thoughts. I wonder if Jesus is really going to do what he said he was going to do. During the most lonely times of your life, If you listen carefully, if you listen carefully, you'll hear him whisper the same thing that he whispered to Isaiah. In chapter 49, verse 1, before you were born, I called you. While you were in your mother's womb, I spoke your name. You have to listen carefully. You have to listen carefully because even though you can't hear anything, it's still hard to hear him. Are you with me? Say yes. You have no company and he's all you got, but you still have to lean in. It's right down in here. His voice sometimes sounds like you. And you'll ask yourself, am I talking to me? But the way your soul is vibrating, your spirit tells you that is not you talking to you. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And you know deep down inside when he begins to whisper those words like he did in Isaiah 49 verse 8. Hang on. Because at just the right time I will respond to you. In Isaiah 49 verse 16 it says, I have your name inscribed on the palm of my hand. See, these are the moments where you begin to feel the presence of a God. You know, I, I brought somebody over the house to tell me why my grass was dying. And, you know, I had all these huge patches of yellow. And I'm like, why is my grass dying? I'm watering it. I'm throwing seed on it. I'm I'm talking to it. Why is my grass dying? And he asked me, he goes, how much are you watering your grass? I said, I don't miss a day. I water it every single day. And he goes, you're watering it too much. He goes, you, you got it. Watch this. Watch what he says here. He goes, if you, if you make the, the, the grass need water, because right now the grass never needs water. You keep giving it to it and give it to him. If you make the grass need water, the grass will go find water. And so the, the roots of the grass will go deeper into the ground to go find water. And he goes, then your grass now has roots because it went to go find water. See, sometimes we go through these seasons where we feel like we're begging. We feel frustrated and we're backing up and we're going, what is going on? And these are the moments where the Lord says, all right, I'm here. In Isaiah 44, verse 3, it says that he will pour water on him who is thirsty. I'm here. 
I will bless you, but I've got to give you a season to dig your roots in a little bit. I need to give you a season where you begin to ask yourself the question, who do I depend on? Because everything depends on who you depend on. And you got to dig your heels in. You got to hang on and back up and say, God, I believe in you. And He will send those seasons. We all love the seasons where it's raining blessings. Who doesn't? But those certain seasons where we begin to dig down and say, God, even if you never send water again, I'm going to worship you. Even if you never bless me again, I'm going to worship you. I don't care what happens. I honor you. I love you. I praise you. I thank you. Are you with me this morning? Come on. Are you with me this morning? Put your hands together for him. Come on. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Um, uh, somebody said the other day, um, you know, Celebration Church is a healing church. And when I heard that, I just smiled because I was like, I I never really thought that Celebration Church was a healing church. It's just people get healed all the time at Celebration Church. But I never really thought it's a healing church. Um, I just have always thought the presence of God is here. And wherever his presence is, we're going to see him working. And uh, someone got healed, it was either last week or the week before, um, last Sunday, by the way, it was the first time in my life where I prayed for 12 people and all 12 people got healed. First time in my life. Usually speaking, some get healed and some don't. That's just life. I don't know what happened last Sunday, but... Um, where's, where's Evelyn at? Evelyn, Evelyn, come on up here, Evelyn. Uh, tell everyone, um, what happened. And I can't remember what service you were in. Um, what service were you in? 1145 last Sunday. All right. All right. Tell everyone your story. Hi everyone. Um, here, hold the mic a little bit closer. Sorry. There you go. (laughs) Uh, I'm 19 years old and I started dancing when I was about two years old. And so once I hit high school, I was dancing about six days a week. And so because of this, I ended up developing a lot of back pain. And so I just, I tried everything from like physical therapy just to icing it and heating it. And the only, nothing really seemed to work. So I just thought this was something I'm going to have to live with. And then last week, Pastor Frankie asked if anyone had back pain. And I'm sitting there and I was like, I'm not going to say anything because there's someone here that needs it more than I do. And next thing I know, I'm standing right here up front and there was no turning back from there. So Pastor Frank, he then comes down and he puts his hand on my back and holds my hand and he just starts talking. And I'm standing there and I feel this sort of cooling sensation just start from the bottom of my back and just go all the way up. And I'm just completely in awe and I'm thinking and I'm like, I don't feel any sort of pain anymore and from that moment i haven't had a single ounce of pain that is so great that is so great that is so great perfect 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 that is so great yeah i remember um now that um you just told the story um i felt like the lord wanted to heal scoliosis of the spine and um that's probably that's why you came down right 
My goodness. Would everyone here please stand to your feet for me, please? I'd like our prayer partners to come down. There's three thoughts that just came like racing to my mind. Diabetes. Deafness in the right ear. And what was that third one? I forgot. Sometimes it comes so fast that if I don't grab it right away, then it'll come back to me. All right, prayer partners, come in real tight. If anyone here, you have deafness in your right ear or you have diabetes, um, I want you to come down here. Is that anyone in this room? I feel like the Lord wants to heal you. Is it both? Today's your day then. What is it? sorry diabetes diabetes come here your right ear right ear all right okay um prayer partners i want you guys to separate because there's there's people that need prayer that that um that did not fall in one of those categories so i want them to come to you And if you're not praying for anyone, then come help me, okay? The Bible says in Psalms 56, 9, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. I don't know what battle you're fighting today, but I do know that the moment you pray, you're going to feel a shift. It's going to shift. If your heart isn't right with God, if you're not sure where you're spend eternity, if it were to stop beating in the next five minutes, come down here and pray with a prayer partner. Let's get our life right. No official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. Be blessed in the name of the Lord.